0: Sometimes you just click with someone and for me, today's guest, Andre Sikoric, is one of those people from Belarus and $0 in his pocket to building a true real estate empire. Andre is really an impressive human. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is the real estate of things podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast.
0: Welcome to the Real Estate of Things podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Elliott. I'm joined today by Andre Sikoric, founder and CEO of Homestead Road. Andre is also a best selling author. He wrote Total Financial Awakening. Andre, thank you so much for joining me, my friend.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I'm excited.
0: Beautiful. I love it. I love it. We have uh, no shortage of things to talk about. But first, I just want to get the bird's eye view of Andre. You're in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Talk to me about how you got there. Talk to me about Homestead Road and and what your mission is there.
2: All right. So I came to the U.S. in 2004. I came from Belarus, which is Eastern Europe. And at that time, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any credit. um, I didn't have any friends. And I could barely speak English. I'm still learning it. But it didn't stop me from believing in my dream. And my dream was to build something bigger and better and uh, create a passive income and achieve freedom of time, money, relationships, and higher purpose. So as of today, Homestead Road... It is a regional company. We operate in three offices. We do about 500 fix and flips a year. And we operate in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Tampa Bay, Florida. And we're planning to expand to Orlando and uh, Miami and Fort Lauderdale this year. We have about uh, 89 employees as of today. And the... Revenue of the company about $120 million.
0: Yeah, that's incredible growth just for you from Belarus coming over here and 89 employees and massive revenue. What's you mentioned, uh, Minneapolis or rather Minnesota and Florida? How did you uh, strike up business in Florida? What attracted you to that? Well,
2: Minnesota is a nice state, but we have long winters. So isn't it nice to have an office in Florida? This is
0: true. That makes complete sense. I think a lot of folks in the finance world feel the same way, right? During COVID, you saw JP Morgan, you saw Goldman, you saw all these groups opening up offices down in Florida. Uh, Yeah, it gets cold up there where you are. We were just chatting about the weather beforehand. I'm always curious, like in May, are you still... Jacketed up and bundled up and Canada goose, but you said, and you can see behind you here, it's bright, sunny, and pretty out there. So uh, perfect time for hammers to be swinging on rehab projects.
2: Yeah, that's so, right. But uh, the truth is like, it's not only about the weather, but uh, in Minneapolis, it's very um, complicated process to fix and flip homes. We have a high regulations. We have a high seasonality. So I just read the report recently So Minneapolis and Milwaukee is from the list of uh, all the like flip markets at the mm-hmm. bottom of the, of the list. Because we have high regulations, a lot of snow, like you cannot paint a house during the winter. And in Florida, it's much easier to flip homes. Market is bigger. And also, like, we had a relationship there. And uh, we did a joint venture with a local company. We invested in the process system, technology. We have software company, uh, not software. We build our own software and uh, as a service. So we, everything, all the houses come to the platform and everyone can operate from a cell phone. So we decided in order to protect my freedom of time, money and relationships and higher purpose, I didn't want to necessarily work more Because uh, flipping homes, it's a very highly uh, labor-intensive business. It takes a lot of oversight. So that's why we decided to expand through joint venture relationship where we provide uh, infrastructure to do that cost uh, like millions of dollars. And we partner with local guys in local markets who understand the market, but don't have necessarily the technology, the processes, the systems, because most of the guys, like probably decent guys do like about 50 to 100 homes a year. And you don't need to have super like pro- aggressive processing systems uh, and have a really nice lifestyle business. Uh, mm-hmm. However, when you go to probably about 300 homes, you have to have processing systems you just cannot operate without technology automations and we decided to go that route and invested the money and now our plan our four-year vision to expand into 20 uh, markets Uh, so far like we opened our second location three years ago and um, like uh, improve the processes build new processes and now automated everything so now it will be easier for someone who wants to join our platform, Homestead Road, to just use our technology and our processing systems and create uh, the same kind of uh, branch and lifestyle mm-hmm. that can be um, build a passive income. And passive income, what I mean, probably for a lot of listeners, uh, that's what I wanted to do and a lot of real estate investors wanted to do is to create a passive income. Passive income gives you freedom of time. And what I mean by passive income, when you don't need to work every day to support your current lifestyle. So you can focus on your kids, you can focus on your unique abilities, and uh, also help other people along the way to build the same thing.
0: Yeah, you, you are a builder, right? And talk to me about how you got into real estate investing. Right? Because you said you came over uh, to the U.S., didn't have any money, and you have built uh, really an empire for yourself. So how how fill in the gap there? How did you get from from A to B, A to Z, really?
2: Well, thank you uh, for your compliment, but uh, I cannot take credit for building the company myself. I have a great partner, but also I have great partners inside the organization like now like we have like 89 employees like and like people being with me from a lot of people from uh, day one and uh, mm-hmm. so they helped me along the way uh, so how how get, how it got started my background is finance and accounting and back at home I was working as a financial analyst at a, a, a large bank and I start I love the numbers and when I came here it's kind of weird, but like I was basically unemployed. I don't. I didn't really speak English. I didn't have any work experience. So I had to work in construction and swing the hammer like yeah. for three months before adapting. And that was a very humbling experience. Uh, and uh, then I decided to to go and start doing loans. I don't know if you remember, but at that time, it was super like popular profession to be a loan officer. And I I, I still remember I closed my first loan and walk away with $16,000 in commission. I remember like I did uh, a loan with a negative amortization. You could charge three points from front, three points from back. And I was thinking that American dream is right here. Like I already achieved it. I can close three loans per month, and uh, like I make a lot, a lot of money. It didn't last yeah. long. Uh, when the market crumbled, uh, my f- commission fully uh, disappeared, and uh, I had to find something else. And I like what Winston Churchill said. He said, an optimist um, see an opportunity in every challenge. And I saw that real estate crumbled. And I start buying rental property. So I, I and my my partner and I, we bought about hundred rental homes in like bad part of towns, transitional part of towns, mm-hmm. and we didn't have the money, so we had to go to hard money guys and paid forty percent interest, which is ridiculous amount, like the interest. Yeah. However, you buy a house for cash, you stabilize, and then our plan was within six months to refinance with a local bank and get normal, like 5% rate at the moment, and build a lot Mm -hmm. of um, joint venture partnership, uh, knock on a lot of doors, find people who want to invest with us. Uh, That was uh, a lot of uh, knocking on door uh, activities. And at that time, no one wanted to listen about real estate because people burn out. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, if you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. But And we had to build that uh, rental rental portfolio and it created really great passive income and a um, real nice lifestyle. Like my, my goal was initially to buy a calculated that I like what Stephen Covey said, you need to start with the end in mind. And my mm-hmm. dream income was at the, at the time I wanted to buy 10 rental properties so I can generate when it's paid off. I can generate thousand dollars per month in net income, make ten grand a month, and that was a good income. Uh, but however, your lifestyle expenses changes over time, like kids go to private school, and like you go to a nicer neighborhood, and like you wanna have better vacation. So it changes over time. Right. So I need to buy, not I need to, but I wanted to buy more houses and have a nice lifestyle. Uh, but I also believe that it's important to have a budget in place and live below your means. And if you don't have the money, don't spend the money. Because like being a loan officer, I saw so many people making good income, but they buy expensive cars, they they, they buy houses, and they basically like one paycheck broke. And that's what exactly... Yeah. Situation that I describe, like my journey, how I transitioned from being a loan officer to become a real estate investor in uh, in uh, in my book, Total Financial Awakening. Just it has a uh, the same uh, blueprint, the process what I've done, transition from um, loan officer to real estate investor, and then building the business.
0: Yeah, you have to watch out for that lifestyle creep. I, you know, for most of my time at Lima One Capital, uh, where I currently work, I I've built out our mortgage broker channel, and a lot of have heard a lot of stories over the years of folks who were, you know, at uh, countrywide other shops before the crash, and they they tell a similar story of, you know, whether it's themselves or people that they were around making. You know, well into the six figures. Uh, one guy told me he was like, if you were making less than a quarter million dollars a year, you were just not showing up for work. It mm-hmm. was like money was just being printed. But that's it. It's like a lot of these folks were spending, you know, in one pocket and then immediately out. Uh, and so keeping those fixed monthly expenses low, being mindful and knowing that, especially in this space, like if you're in real estate, it is cyclical. Right? It's not. You know, the the crash showed better than at any other point that, uh, you know, there there are ups and generally it's going to be up and to the right, but there are going to be downs. And you have to prepare for a rainy day. And if you're not, you're going to be in a, a world of hurt whenever that rainy day comes.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like um, I think we are, we're we blessed to live uh, in this beautiful country. Because coming from another country, and as a kid, they lived in Spain and Italy. Like, and in my home country, people are still making five hundred dollars on average per month. And if you think about that, people are thinking, okay, how can I uh, save additional amount of money? Well, just like set, a, set aside like 20 percent, twenty five percent of your income. Create a uh, uh, automatic deductions and build a budget and monitor your budget or start investing early and uh, think about uh, the power of compound interest. I like the rule of 72. So basically, if you uh, invest the money, let's say 10%, and you you divide 72 by by your interest that you get, and it will show you the uh, number of years when your investment will double. Example will be if you invest money at 10%, So 72 divided by 10, it's 7.2. So it means that in 7.2 years, your investment will double. Well, what what if you invest money at 20%? At 20%, your investment will double in in three and a half years if you use compound interest. So that would help me really to start uh, setting money aside early and uh, understand the power of compound interest and put like Excel spreadsheet, the early you start, like if you have any young people, uh, so that's the advice that I got from my mentors. Hey, like start buying that rental properties early. Like if you're 20 years old and you buy one property per month, and by 30 you already have 10 properties that can be easily paid off. Like if you if you have a, your your mortgage probably will stay the same or but your rent goes up and if you ever need the money you can cash out refinance and pull the money tax-free and that mentality really if you see the the end of the game like when you build passive income for yourself like you should start doing early or have mm-hmm. a discipline uh to set the money aside uh, to build to live within your budget And like probably don't don't have don't buy the things which you cannot afford. Like when you can afford, then go ahead and buy whatever you want. But I see a lot of people as soon as they start making a little bit money, instead of buying rental property, they buy nice cars, which is depreciates an asset in my mind. Uh, Like buy a more expensive home right away. Well, like what if you buy rental property instead? Uh, so that was the mindset that helped me to um, propel in, in my investments.
0: Yeah, there's some delayed gratification there, right? Which is uh, not always, it's it's probably never the most fun thing. It's not always the easiest thing, but yeah, you always have to have kind of a weary eye to the horizon. Uh, you can't, yeah, you can't just completely live in the present there and, and all fun now. Uh, so so switching gears a little bit, you you have uh, really been a rocket ship, and the growth continues. So the, these markets you're expanding into, what markets excite you the most right now? And we're in like in our current climate, it's it's strange. Like housing is very strong. There's a shortage of units. Construction hasn't fully caught up with that. Uh, you have rates rising. There are so many more variables that are just wonky and all over the place compared to you know the last you know call it the five ten years pre-covid uh, now it's it's uh it's all over the place so what what markets are you most excited about and then kind of a follow-up question uh, are there any markets that are starting to be of any concern for you or you're tightening uh, maybe you're tightening your kind of underwriting approach there when you're looking in that market?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, my goal is to work less. I don't want to work more. And yeah. uh, I also learned the the less I work, the more I make. Uh, I learned from uh, uh, the guy, the gentleman named Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, and he has a great, great mastermind group a strategic coach that I highly recommend uh, Been in his group for many years. And what he uh, taught is like, okay, how you can work yourself out of your operations and work and create the freedom of time. So to answer your question, uh, I'm not looking into new markets. Like I only want to go through expansion, like doing uh, JVs with other people and help Mm -hmm. them to generate, let's say every, I mean, average location probably can make, I don't know, from $500,000 to $2 million as a branch. And if you have proper, it's like a recipe. If you have the right recipe for a chili soup, you're going to make it right. And if you try to do it yourself and you don't have your health, you have all the ingredients, but you don't know the, uh, the sequence. So what we did build, we build a recipe for expansion. And my goal is to, uh, fulfill my uh, personal uh, personal um, my my personal mission statement is to help other people uh, achieve their freedom of time money relationship and higher purpose and create the partnerships i like to do jvs with people we do jvs with wholesalers where we partner with them on the deal we finance 100% and we split the profit and I, I like this kind of deals i don't like to do it all myself because you can have a 100 a percent of your small pie or you can have like a little a lot of small pieces of a much bigger pie and that's what uh my uh, my philosophy right now is not to work more because it, it takes a lot of time and efforts to uh, to build something from ground up. But someone who, like the prospect would be for us as a partner, someone who has a corporate job, makes good money, knows how to run a business, but we can give uh, mm, mm, all the processes and uh, the IP uh, how how to do the business. So that's what that's the model uh, I see that can can um can flourish
0: yeah and talk to me about your appetite right now for rehabs versus rentals are you uh you kind of solely focused on buy fix sell you know, the rehab side right now
2: yeah right now uh dalton we we sold our rental portfolio about like probably a couple of years ago we had to pay a lot of income tax. That was the first realization. My second realization: I went to uh, Ecuador and did Ayahuasca and like spent two weeks uh, in a tribe and kind of looked back and like, okay, what what's the next step? And I decided that uh, mm, the best way to uh, uh, to to grow is uh, not to do not to not to work more, but to, to work less. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then that's what I want to do. Right. I'm going to pick your brain about that Ecuador trip. All right, like right. We're happy to share. <laughs> yeah. I would love to.
0: So talk to me about um, Minneapolis, right? Like I have, I've never been to Minneapolis. Uh, from what I have heard, what I can see the little bit behind you, like an absolutely beautiful market but talk to me about like what do you love about it where's the market heading uh just give me the rundown in minneapolis
2: so minneapolis is a very strong market we have a lot of uh fortune 500 companies like uh, target best buy 3m uh, health partners and uh, a lot of norwegians moved here um, a couple hundred years ago and it's a strong market but also uh, it's uh, it's hard for from a fix and flip perspective because um, a lot of regulations and seasonality. That's um, kind of like like we like to flip a home. Like you have to have a point. Uh, it's called Truth in Housing Report. You have to the city will inspect your house and they will tell you what you have to do. And as soon as they inspect your house, you have to pull the permits for. Electric for uh, plumbing for everything, whatever they say that require permitting work, you have to do. But other than that, the market is very very strong. Uh, a lot of people, in spite of uh, cold weather, come here because uh, those conglomerates attract a lot of highly highly skilled uh, workers. So in terms is- of rentals. Like this market is very strong in rental market, but cap rates not so strong. That's why we decided to sell our rentals and not to kind of not to buy anymore. But what we mm-hmm. we expected that market is going to correct itself, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had the use of capital to reinvest money into our business. But now with the uh, market, uh, like potential recession, like nine to 18 months from now, no one knows for sure. That will create a lot of opportunities. Like if you think from that uh, standpoint, as soon as you don't get, that's our strategy, don't get into uh, long-term projects right now, uh, because if, uh, we still believe real estate will be really strong, but we mm-hmm. don't want to go into like one-year long projects. We want to go into shorter projects, and when market corrects itself, like then we can Replace inventory really easily. Sell inventory, like if you need to sell them at, at last, and replace with uh, with cheaper inventory. And you have to do it really fast. And like I know it because I I, I bought my first property in two thousand five, and uh, at that time I was thinking, <laughs> I got my American dream. Uh, yeah. Did are you, uh,
0: are you looking to sit on more cash now than you would normally? Uh, just with your eye to the horizon and where you feel that we're going, just as a you know, uh, as an economy.
2: Uh, yes, like we have a uh, substantial cash reserves. Like we don't need the money right now, but we put we put together two funds, one fixed and, uh, uh, fixed rate fund that we advertise to public, another one is uh, equity fund. So when the time comes, like we're already prepared to buy rental properties because we'd love to buy more rental properties, but the cap rate gets compressed so much. It, it's not worth, for, from my standpoint, standpoint, in my local market, probably other markets have a much stronger cap rate, but Minneapolis is like 5% cap rate. Like I'm not really excited about 5% cap rate. Uh, yeah. But if we get prepared, if we're going to have price correction, we can, we're we ready to buy, like I probably would buy thousands of homes. Uh, if mm-hmm. the cap comes back, so like 8%, 9%, uh, I would like, I, I still believe real estate is the best uh, investment tool or financial tool you can invest. Yeah,
0: no no disagreement there. And I just from a personal standpoint, agree on uh, yeah, more more cash on hand now as a percentage, as opposed to you know 12, 24, 36 months ago. Just so so much uncertainty, and you know I, I think I don't think anyone's expecting a drop off the cliff for housing, right? But but the last couple of years have just been wild. It's probably the easiest word to attach to it from an HPA standpoint. Uh, rent growth has been absolutely crazy in almost every market and uh, now we're starting to see just a, as a global economy more headwinds uh, rearing their ugly head, uh, whereas it was it was shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, it felt like for the last last couple of years, in spite of, in spite of a global pandemic, like housing and, and real estate did the opposite of what people thought it was going to do, I remember the first couple of weeks and months whenever COVID hit, like March 2020, uh, April, May. It wasn't really until June that I think the industry started to feel comfortable and like, all right, this is a healthcare issue. This is like o- oversimplifying, right? But this is a healthcare issue. This is not a housing issue. COVID is not a housing issue. People were looking back to uh, 2007, 8, 9, uh, as soon as COVID hit and lenders kind of halted lending, uh, everybody went to lockdown. I think everybody was waiting for the shoe to drop and it didn't. The exact opposite happened. It was just you know, fuel to the fire and uh, housing went up and to the right. So it's, I think the only thing that anybody knows the next, like you said, 10, 12, 24 months, it's going to be interesting. And it's anybody's guess on exactly how that plays out, but it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be like the last 12, 24 months. I think that's probably the only close to certain thing you can uh, you could say,
2: right? Yeah, that's right. From the other hand, like we still have a lowest um, amount of supply of homes. Like we operate in a first-time homebuyer category. So we have right now 0.5 months of supply, balanced market considered 5 to 6. And people still need to find the way where to invest the money because like to simplify like this globe global economy situation, like if we had a healthcare issue, we had a social issue, and then we because of the COVID, we have so much constraint on supply chain. The big corporation, they didn't produce the results because of that. Everyone like look at like everyone's like financial reports. And because they don't produce the uh, financial outcome, the stock market goes down. And now we see another um, causes of uh, uh, the uh, crisis is China lockdown, the war in Russia, Ukraine. And that will obviously like, will lower down the expectation. And you see like stock market went down, but people need to invest somewhere um nice. so we like we just no one knows for sure but we really cautious and i would say what our strategy is to be prepared like we, we we cannot have like oops okay if the market goes down okay what's your risk mitigation strategy what's the plan b plan c and plan z right like we have infrastructure to convert the properties into rentals we start negotiating terms on the long-term financing with our banks. And now if we cannot sell our houses, market drops significantly, we can convert our fix and flips into rentals. And we already have negotiated, pre-negotiated terms with the banks for long-term financing. So I think it's important right now, like people who didn't go through the ups and downs for 2010 crisis, like can think that real estate only go up like you should have your strategy in place
0: yeah backup plan backup plan backup plan always yeah. always like you said so andre i cannot thank you so i can't, can't thank you enough for joining me we have we could go on for hours i feel like I, i'm gonna pick your brain after this episode a little bit too uh total financial awakening is the name of the book go get it go read it i um, Andre, thank you again, my friend. And I'm going to have to have you back on and catch up later in the year. Just see how things are going for you and the team.
2: All right, Dalton, it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care.
1: Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry, bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team, and that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out lima1.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.